acknowledging our Savior. but the blood of Jesus is sufficient to save us from our sins. 
And that leads us to praise his name because Hebrews chapter 13, verses 15 through 16 says this, through him, being Jesus, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. So are you ready this morning to offer up the fruit of lips that praise God's name for what he has done in your life? And not only to worship him through praising God's name in song, but through serving one another, because that is also sacrificial worship to the Lord. So this morning, I hope that you have come to thank the Lord and to show your love for God by how you love one another. And we are glad that you are here with us this morning to worship in that way. And we would welcome you, especially if you're a visitor with us this morning, we want to extend a special welcome to you. We're very glad that you are here. If you would take just a quick moment to pull out the worship folder that you hopefully picked up as you walked in. If you didn't grab one, there's a table there at the back. You can walk over there and, and grab one. But in this worship folder, you'll find all sorts of information going on in the church these days. And uh, that's always good to stay in the loop. But you also find this little check-in card. And if you would do us a favor and just take a quick moment to fill that out. You can also fill it out digitally on our church app if you don't like paper. Um, you can uh, let us know that you're here. It's just helpful. And then also you can sign up sometimes for events. So like there's a hymn sing coming up that you can sign up for just by filling out this card. There's also a spot to fill out prayer requests. And we love to pray. We are a praying church. So we'd love to pray for one another. So if you feel comfortable sharing a prayer request, um, you can also mark them confidential if you just want the pastors to know about it. Um, and the pastors get together every Tuesday morning to pray for all the prayer cards we receive. We consider that a privilege, but we also love to rejoice if you have something to be thankful for and share with us as well. At the end of the service, you can slide this checking card in the white table. There's one at either entrance. There's a little slot. You can just slide it in there at the end. And then if you're uh, visiting with us, again, we're so glad you're here. Um, if you haven't already, you might have walked by when you came in. But we've got a welcome desk just outside these double doors. And so we'd encourage you, if you haven't stopped by, to stop by there, and uh, we'd love to answer any questions you have about the church. But we also have a gift we'd love to give you just to show our love for you and uh, our joy that you are here with us. Now, we have a quick video we'd like to show you about life group ministry. Um, I know that God tells us to share our burdens with one another. So it is really important to find a small group of people that you are able to do that with in a safe space. And so anything that's said in life group is confidential. And we don't just share our burdens, but we share our own personal sins that we are struggling with. And we are able to get biblical truth. We are able to get advice and we are able to get prayer. Well, I really didn't know what life groups were until I um, started coming to Newcastle five years ago. and. Uh, then I see how my life has become so much more enriched and fulfilled, and I feel closer to my church family uh, by belonging to a life group. There's, there's a stronger connection, and that makes um, being part of the Newcastle Church family more meaningful and more um, important to me, because I'm, I'm more than just a hand that waves and a face that smiles. I've got a deeper connection with people. If, uh, if you're hesitant to join a life group, I would just encourage you to try it. 
Uh, it's not a commitment that you are tied into for years and years. Uh, it's an opportunity to deepen your faith through a detailed study in God's Word, and it helps just to, to know that those relationships are there for you. So I would, I would highly encourage anyone that's not a part of a life group to, to give it a try. Yeah, so this is a continuation of our life group kickoff season. So we've got, I think, two more weeks where we're going to be encouraging you guys to check out our life group ministry and to sign up for it. So at the end of the service, you can go out those back double doors and you'll see this fancy Hobby Lobby looking panel-y thing with all these life groups, different life groups that are available. And some of them are already full, but there's you'll see some spots on certain groups where there's a place where you can fill out your name and and if you can do that without poking a hole through the sheet of paper then tell me because I will uh, tip my hat to you but uh, that you can learn all the different types of life group ministries that are going on whether they have child care or whatnot and uh, if you need more help we would love to help you so you could email the church or call the church office and say hey I'm interested in life group but I don't know what would be a good fit Um, you know there's life groups all around the area based uh, because we all live in different areas so we don't all live in Mackinac so we would love to help you um, find the one that would be a really good fit for you. And I would just encourage you as a church, we are here together to stir one another, one another up to love and good deeds. One of the ways you can stir each other up is by encouraging each other, if you're not in a life group, to encourage people. You encourage them to sign up. Or if you have openings in your own, you can invite them to come to yours and try to help um, remove any obstacle of nervousness. You know, if you just kind of establish a relationship with somebody and say, hey, why don't you come with me? just encourage you to think, be thoughtful and intentional about encouraging people because life group, life groups are the lifeblood of our church. We really, uh, so important there uh, for our growth spiritually. Um, and, and it really, as we continue talking about unity in the church, harmony, protecting that in the church, uh, life groups are an essential part of that as well. So really encourage you guys um, to think about that and join up if you haven't already. Well, before we continue singing, let's uh, pray. Father, we thank you so much that uh, the blood of Christ has been paid on our behalf to give us new life, to set us free from the power of sin, and to free us and save us from the penalty of sin. We are here this morning to offer you the fruit off of our lips of praise, to celebrate who you are, to give thanks to you, to be humble before you, and to demonstrate our love for you, both in what we say, what we think, in our hearts about you, but also in how we act and think towards others. And I just pray, Lord, as we worship together this morning, that you would help us to fix our eyes upon you, that you would help us to be prepared to receive the word, that you would, through your spirit, illuminate our hearts and minds and that you would bring conviction where necessary and that you would help us to grow so that we might be a a group of diverse but harmonious believers who are united in our love for you lord we ask this in your son's name amen well if you would please stand as we continue celebrating our god
the fires of a thousand burning suns blazing in the heavens there is only one he is our god who commands the nations building up and tearing down silencing his rivals there is only one he is our Consider all the worlds thy hands 
Good morning, Newcastle. Good to see you uh, today. A couple things just to say thanks for, uh, as I often do. I want to say thank you for your worship and giving here. Uh, you are a, a generous church, and we're so grateful for that. Uh, I know that God will bless you for it, uh, as he does as you worship him. 
uh, in every way, but especially in giving. It just is, is something that we see here as leadership, and it's, we're very grateful for it. Um, secondly, I just got back. We were with uh, the mission trip that went to San Francisco last week. And I want to say thanks for praying for that. Uh, it was an amazing trip. Uh, God really protected us. Uh, we felt that as we went there. The, it's a very different place. The, the streets of San Francisco are very different than the place that most of us live here. Um, and it was, it was a neat thing to feel God move there, to know that um, God moves here through, through Newcastle in reaching the people he has to reach here. And he moves in San Francisco through that group, uh, YWAM there uh, on the streets. Um, if, if you'd happen to see any of the folks that went on that trip, um, just ask them about it. There's some really amazing stories that they'd love to tell you of, of just this sense of God has people everywhere. And if he has you here, then he has you here. And if he has you he has people in San Francisco doing his work there. It's just an amazing thing that God has chosen to do his work on this earth through his people. So great example of that uh, to us. We felt your prayers uh, there all the way through the trip. And so just wanted to thank you very specifically for that. So if you bow with me this morning, let's pray. Father, your word says, how can a young man keep his way pure by guarding it according to your word? With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts. I will fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes, and I will not forget your word. So, Father, we praise you this morning because you have revealed yourself to us. We know that all men are without excuse because your eternal power, your divine nature are revealed in your creation. We see the majesty all around us. But how much of you and how much of your plan of redemption we wouldn't know without this word. So you've given us this Bible to show who you are, that we would understand your greatness, your holiness, the perfection of who you are. You are unsearchable, you're past finding out, and yet you've chosen to come down and live with us, to come after us with the gift of salvation. So we stand in awe of you this morning. We do have needs to bring before you. You tell us to bring them, and so we do have illnesses, some recoveries, grateful for that. We have some lost loved ones. Father, we're physical bodies, and that reminds us of the eternity of who you are. And so I pray for comfort for those who are, are left behind, uh, for those who have physical trouble. Pray for your provision for that. For our personnel needs here, thankful to have some movement in our search for a Discipleship pastor, we pray that you would continue to move that along. That you bring your person here. You've been so, so good to us as we have waited on you. And so we do. We wait on you. We trust that you will bring your person to us. It's come to the end of our time with uh, David Maris here. We're so thankful for his work.
here as, as his internship with us. It's a man who has shown God to us in the way he has worked here. And so I pray that you would bless him for that. Fathers, Newcastle, we're just, you have been so good to us. And so we praise you for that. Pray for Pastor Summers today as he teaches us from the book of Ephesians. Um, your word is truth, Father. And so I pray for, for that word to, to touch hearts today. I want to pray for Bethany Community Church in Washington. We're so thankful for them and for Pastor Daniel. I pray that you bless their worship today, prosper their ministry and their community as they think about how to, how to move in central Illinois, how to work with all of the neighboring churches. There's so much work to be done here, Father, but you're a great God. And we know that whatever you've set before us, you will equip us to do. So I pray for the elders and the deacons there in, at Bethany continue to sustain them as they build, as you build up the body there to reach that community. Our co-partner today is Amanda King in Ecuador. We're thankful for a, a season of refreshing as she had a, a good vacation here recently. Pray for renewal for her uh, in this coming week for a, at a spiritual life conference. Father, for that ministry in Ecuador, it's far away from us physically, but close to our hearts. We pray that you would move there, touch souls, uh, draw men to you through Amanda's work. I want to pray yet for John and Missy Camiola. Uh, they've been working for citizenship for Hadassah here for some time, and that has finally come through. And just pray for continued provision for the work there at, at Grace Gardens, another place that's physically removed from us. but. God, you have people working there, and you have souls that need to be reached. So I pray for your continued movement there. So can bless our service here. We realize that we depend on you for everything. So we pray for you to provide it this morning. I ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.
to you, Newcastle. Thanks to the glories of the inspiration of Scripture, we are allowed to read and listen to some of the great prayers recorded in God's Word. I would hope that you brought your Scriptures with you, but if you are here without them, we have men who have copies of God's Word to give you. If you would just raise a hand, be glad to have you have a copy of God's Word as a gift from us. You are going to want to read this scripture this morning. We read and listened as Abraham prayed fervently for the people of Sodom. He came back again and again trying to bargain with God not to destroy the place. But God couldn't find righteous people in any great number in Sodom and finally extracted the few who were and then destroyed the place. He literally wiped it off the map. We've listened to the prayer of Job as he turned to God while his life was upended. He went from being very rich to being poor and sitting in a dump scraping his sores. Even his wife turned against him, told him to curse God and die. And with his face wet with tears, Job said, The Lord gives, and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We watched as Moses threw himself on the ground and pleaded with God when God had had enough of the deliberate disobedience of his people, and he offered to wipe them out and start over again with Moses. It was a compliment to Moses, but he would not agree to that as he interceded for his stiff-necked and hard-hearted people. We read the prayers of a dying King Hezekiah as he asked for more time, and God granted him 15 years. We even listen as David prays and begs for forgiveness for his monstrous sin. He asks God to purge him with hyssop, make him whiter than snow, and God did. We've listened to the prayer of Solomon as he began his rule over the people of Israel, and he prayed only asking for wisdom to lead his people rightly. And God gave him that wisdom in great abundance and gave him the things that he hadn't asked for. We listened as Isaiah prayed in chapter 6. He was given a vision of our Lord God in glory and his train filling the temple. And he was struck with his own sinfulness and began to pray. He heard the voice of God saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah responded, Here am I, Lord. Send me. And we listened as Jesus prayed in the garden, Father, if there's any other way. Nevertheless, 
Not my will, but thine be done. This morning, we get to listen to Paul praying. He's praying for the people of the church in Ephesus. He's praying for Ephesian believers, and he knows them well. He has spent much time there. He doesn't pray for their headaches or their hangnails. He prays to magnify Jesus Christ and to assure us of the strength of the omnipotent hands that hold us. He makes five requests of our God, and he closes his prayer with a sweeping statement that is both a benediction and a doxology. Now often here at Newcastle, we read the text that we're going to study, and it is read for us. We stand out of respect to God's word, and we do so joyfully each week. I love that. I look forward to that. But this morning, I'm going to ask you to stand and read it out loud, all of us, all together, in unison, as one voice. I'm going to ask you to follow the words that are projected before us and to read it slowly and deliberately as the grandeur of Paul's words soak on us and enter our thoughts. So please stand and read with me Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. Are you ready? For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated and pray with me. Father, we've been lifted by Paul's prayer up out of ourselves and into your presence. This prayer does not glorify us. It magnifies you. And we ask you to continue to magnify Jesus as we study Paul's prayer. In the name of Jesus, I ask that there be glory in the church today. Amen. Just a piece of historical information to stimulate your thinking. The book of Ephesians, the letter to the Ephesian believers, was written sometime around AD 60 to 62. At that time, the Ephesian church was a vibrant church, alive, doing well, thriving in the love of Christ. They were very much in love with their Savior, and he loved them with a surpassing love. By A.D. 95, John 
was writing the book of Revelation. And if you are familiar with Revelation, you know that chapters 2 and 3 contain seven letters to seven churches in a cluster around the eastern end of the Mediterranean Sea. The first of those seven letters is a letter to Ephesus and written by Jesus Christ himself. And his indictment of the church at Ephesus is, you have left your first love. You no longer love Jesus the way you once did. In the 30-some years between the letter of Ephesians and the letter of Revelation, their love had cooled and they had grown cold. He said, you are so lukewarm, I'll spit you out of my mouth. And the Ephesian letter stands as a warning to all of us to continue to press on, to look towards spiritual maturity, to hold the ground that you've gained, to not back off, to guard your love for Christ. Newcastle, I hope your best days spiritually are now and in the future and that you don't have to look back to remember a time when God was at work in your life. So Paul makes requests on behalf of the Ephesian believers. It's what's called an intercessory prayer. Inter is between, and Paul stands between these people and our God, and he speaks on their behalf. Paul asks absolutely nothing for himself. He is interceding for this church. His first request is in verse 16. And it is that they would be strengthened by might, by his spirit in the inner man. Now the terms inner man and outer man are not new to you. They are used several times in scriptures and they are worth thinking about. The outer man is our flesh, our bodies. The inner man is our soul and our spirits. And the Bible says that the outer man is perishing day by day but that the inner man is renewed as we walk by faith. If you're taking notes on this, you might put down the reference of 2 Corinthians 4.16, which says in those words, outwardly we are wasting away, but inwardly we are renewed day by day. It's exactly the same teaching, the same thought, as you find here in Ephesians chapter 3. When I was first invited to bring the message this morning, I began to work on it and to make notes. And at that time, three of the people that I loved dearly were perishing, were fading out in this life. They were growing weaker. In the meantime, Sandy Miller has gone on to be with the Lord. But B. Scott lingers, and Keith Alvey lingers, and I pray for them daily and think of them often. B. Scott is a student of the scriptures, as was Sandy. Her Bible is marked up from one end to the other. She has majored on the promises of God and loves them. Keith Alvey was always as strong as a bull, built like an oak tree. He has a black belt in karate, teaches at his own dojo. But now the outer man is so weak he can barely raise his head and can only speak in a whisper. 
but he is as strong as a bull on the inside. The inner man is strong and fit. God is answering Paul's prayer in those dear saints. The outer man is wasting away, but the inner man is growing in Christ. I must ask, are you enjoying spiritual strength? I know how to measure your physical strength, but I don't know just looking at you how to measure your spiritual strength. On a scale of 1 to 10, rate yourself. Don't tell anybody else. Rate your spiritual strength. There is no other source of spiritual strength than the spirit of the living God. And Paul asks for that on behalf of these people. His second request is in verse 17. And it's that Christ would dwell in your hearts through faith. Well, now that deserves some explanation. Because the truth is, these are believers. Paul has called them that. He calls them saints. These are people who have received Christ as their Savior. They have expressed their faith in Jesus Christ. They are, as the scripture says, born again. They are new creatures in Christ. Romans 8, 9 says that you can't have the Spirit. If you don't have the Spirit of Christ, you're none of His. So I know that Christ lives in these people. The key word to this request is the word dwell. Dwell. The word that's used here means to settle down and feel at home. Christ was already in their hearts. But our Lord wants to settle in and feel like he's part of the place, like he's at home. He wants to make his presence felt. He wants you to make him feel at home like a good host should. You know from Scripture that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You have him. He is there. But you're not saying to your visitor, don't go down the basement. I don't want you down there. Or I've put locks on a couple of the closets because I don't want you to look inside. He wants to dwell, biblically dwell in your hearts. He doesn't want a polite surface relationship. He wants a deeper practical Take off your shoes, put up your feet, make yourself at home. If you're thirsty, there's stuff in the refrigerator, help yourself. He wants that kind of a relationship. You get the idea? Does it make sense? He wants you to let him dwell. Jesus Christ wants to be more than a tolerated visitor. He wants the run of the place. He wants you to throw him the keys and say that the extra car in the garage is yours to use. Go anywhere you want. I filled the tank. He wants to think that if he needs another t-shirt, he can look in the dresser and take whatever he wants. Now Paul's third request comes with his second request. And it's often treated that way. In the process of thinking through this, I, I've read parts of nine books about Ephesians chapter 3. And I'm intrigued at how different people with different backgrounds and educations look at this and divide the prayer up in different ways. But his third request is in verse 17. And it is that you would be rooted 
and grounded in his love. I really like those words. I've spent a good bit of time thinking on them. I like the idea of rooted and grounded, and I'm a glad guy that our young people's ministry takes that as its name. That pleases me no end. They didn't ask me for permission, but I, I heartily approve. Both words, rooted and grounded, are words that point to our stability, our steadiness. You understand roots. Even those of you who only grow weed in the garden know, understand that those roots are what hold you in place. And just as roots hold soil in the place, roots are our link through which we draw nourishment and get what God has for us. Grounded is a reference to us being stable, reliable, secure, firmly in place. Does that describe your life? Are you settled and rooted and grounded, fixed and steady? Are you dependable? What a practical request. Now, when I began studying Ephesians chapter 3, I didn't realize that this would be the time when Newcastle leadership is emphasizing our small group ministry. Because there are several things you can do to make sure that you are rooted and grounded. One of them is to join a small group. I looked at the list out there and see 24 of them. 24 of them. If we need more, we'll start more. But the idea is that it's hard to let everybody ask their questions and do things during a worship service, but in a small group, in a little room someplace or around a living room in a home, you can ask, you can speak up, you can pray for each other, you can know things that we wouldn't share here with everyone else. Do you know that one of the easiest ways for you to become more rooted and more grounded is for you to attend Sunday school? You're here for the 8 o'clock service. You're already here. Stay for an hour and enjoy a Sunday school class. By the way, the lineup right now is superb. You just can't make a bad choice. There's another way. You can... Uh, you can ask and maybe somebody can come alongside and disciple you one-on-one, -on -one, take you through the scriptures, rooted and grounded. Paul's fourth request is in verse 18, and it's a mind stretcher. In our family, we'd call it a mind blower. He asked that we would be able to comprehend the incomprehensible. He actually asks that we know the unknowable. Take a good look at these verses. Begin at verse 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. To know the unknowable. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. 
Paul wants those who are rooted and grounded to use their heads, to think deeply on the matter of God's love, to ponder it and to mull it over and to play with it in your mind. This word know, K-N-O-W, is not just to know a fact. It's to know by experience. He wants you to be totally convinced of God's love. He wants you to know it from experience and to know it deeply. Now, for God's love to be known, it has to be experienced. He wants us to move beyond the gooey, fuzzy, warm, squishy feelings of puppy love and fall deeply in love with him. God's love is more than an emotional, nice feeling. It actually is to have the object of your love dwelling inside of you and influencing you. Now, there are dimensions given to God's love, but it cannot be measured. This prayer speaks of the width and the length and the depth and the height of God's love. Those aren't separate categories, not at all. They are words that Paul uses to express the vastness, the scope, the breadth, the immensity of God's love. God's love is wide. It's broad. It gladly takes in everyone. Pastor Kevin taught us a couple weeks ago about the middle wall of partition being broken down between Jew and Gentile. You're either a Jew or you're a Gentile. Jews are specific people. Gentiles come in lots of different flavors. But one or the other, you're a Jew or you're Gentile, and that middle wall of partition, the wall that separated us, has been broken down. And God is making one new thing out of both. They are coming into his body, into the church. We all get in the door the same way. His love takes in everybody. It is that broad. Have you read or heard anything in the last few days about the fact that in November, the population of this earth will hit 8 billion 8 billion. All of those are encompassed by God's love and all of the billions that have already lived on the earth. God's love is long. It has length. And you ought to think about that length. Do you know that he loved you and chose you before the foundations of the world were laid before creation he knew you and loved you before there was a you he loved you his love is long his love is deep it has great depth it reaches down to touch the most depraved in fact this is the book Ephesians that tells us that before salvation we were dead in trespasses and sins. It goes deep and it stays long. God's love does that for you. And his love has height. I know how much height it has. I can't measure it, but I know how much height it has. This is the book, Ephesians, that says 
that he has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. That's how high it is. When we were kids, we sang a chorus, and I have scratched my head and tried. I can't remember all the lyrics to it. But the idea of it was God's love, that it was so high you can't get over it, and so deep you can't get under it, and so wide you can't get around it. So here it is, God's love. Jump in. There's enough for everybody. Now, the fifth request of Paul's prayer is a summary. It's a staggering, indescribable, beyond your imagination summary of all of this. It's a request that we be filled with the fullness of God. Whoa. The end of verse 19 leaves us scratching our heads and a little bit short of breath. Now be very careful when you read this. This doesn't make you God. Not at all. You have a quartet, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. And when you come to Colossians, Colossians teaches us that in Jesus Christ dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So that when Jesus Christ was on this earth and walked in flesh, God was present in him. The Godhead was there. He chose to lay aside the prerogatives of some of his deity, according to Philippians. But Christ was the representation, the exact representation, according to Hebrews chapter 1, of the Godhead bodily. A good translation of this phrase would be filled unto the fullness of God. It points us to a life that is full, but it's full of God. For many years around here, Denny Slappy and I shared a little four-word phrase that just kind of summed up our joy when we saw God at work in our people. It was just this, my heart is full. My heart is full. God has filled me. God has filled my heart so full that I think that if he poured in any more blessings, they would fall out of my ears. Now you've got to understand that the measuring stick for all of this stuff, the measuring stick for God's love is not something for us to use or to hold in our hands. It's not like a measuring tape that you can roll in and clip on your belt. God holds the measuring stick. I don't know if you are reading Ephesians, but you're making a mistake if you don't while we're studying Ephesians. It only has six chapters and they're not lengthy. So if you start tomorrow and read a chapter each day, by the time you come back here next Sunday morning, you will have read the book of Ephesians, and it's worth reading. I hope that you notice when you read the book of Ephesians that Paul plays the accordion. A lot of people have missed that, but they shouldn't. In Ephesians 3, verse 7, he was made a minister, accordion, to the grace of God. And in verse 11, the wisdom of God is made known according to his eternal purpose of God. And in verse 16, it's according to the riches of his glory that he strengthens us. And in verse 20, he can do all of this beyond our imagination 
according to the power that works in us. When you read on into chapter 4, verse 7 says, God's grace is poured out on us according to the measure of God's gift, Christ's gift. And in verse 16, God designed it so that the body of Christ, the church, works effectively when all the people in it do their part. In fact, the literal translation of it says that each part is to do its share. That's you. I hope you noticed that it's accordion, and it really is according, according. But it's according to the attributes of God that are beyond measure. His grace and his mercy and his love. Hmm. And then on top of all of that, Paul piles on a benediction. It's actually a benediction, a doxology. I see it as being the cherry on top the hot fudge, on top the three scoops of ice cream, on top the banana. We're going to read it in a moment as our benediction. We've been doing that since we've been studying Ephesians. Paul keeps stacking on words to try to describe our glorious God and the fullness of his love. And he says, Now unto him who is able to do it all. Unto him who is able to do all you could possibly ask. Unto him who is able to do all you could ask or think. In fact, now unto him who can do above all you could ask or think. In fact, he can do abundantly above all you could ask or think. And then he tops it off by saying, he can do exceedingly abundantly above all you could ask or think. We're going to read it that way in a moment. That's our God, our Savior. And now you know something of what he can do for you and in you and through you. So yield to him and let him do it. My goodness, what have you to gain by spurning love of this sort? Why would you turn your back on an offer of salvation that's full and free, that would put you in line for the fulfillment of a prayer like this. When you were a kid, did you learn any of the stumpums? You know, the stumpums. The really hard questions you could throw at somebody when you were arguing with them and stump them. Like, can God make a rock bigger than he can pick up? And one of my like, can God make a stick with only one end? Well, in a way he can, as a matter of fact. It's right here in Ephesians chapter 3. The measuring stick of God's love only has one end. It begins, but it never ends. He loves you according to the riches of his grace. And there's no limit, no end. Where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. He may have to take you to the woodshed and paddle your behind, but he'll never stop loving you. He may even have to extract you out of this world and take you home to heaven early to get you out of the way and stop you from making him look bad. But he'll never stop 
loving you. The measuring stick of his love is so long that he can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you can ask or think according to the power that works in us. That's what it says. According to the power that works in us. What is that power? What is that dunamis? The word that describes God's power is one of his attributes. And it is omnipotent. Omni, all, potent, powerful. God's available to do all power through us. His power knows no end. And with that power, he is determined to love you forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, do your work in us according to your limitless love by Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Well, we have been afforded, because of God's infinite, unending love, grace and peace in infinite measure. And that grace, that love and peace that he gives us is key to har maintaining harmony in the church. So would you please stand as we worship God and celebrate the grace and peace we have in him.
What an amazing mystery, what an amazing mystery, that your grace has come to me. for a benediction, so I have, hope that you haven't lost your sense of humor in the meantime. You did a great job reading in unison together early in the service. Now I want you to read Ephesians 3, 20 and 21, wise choice for our benediction while we're studying the book. And uh, when we come to the words that stack up by Paul, we're going to emphasize them. Would you help us do it? Please. Ready? Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Say that amen again. Amen. Good for you. You're dismissed. <laughs>